Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding. Welcome to the Grounded Podcast. Today we're going to start in Mark chapter 4. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. But before we start the kingdom of God, why don't you just pray for us? Miss Mary Mary, quite contrary. I'll be happy to. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Logos. But we ask for the Rhema. We thank you for the written word and the integrity of it. That in itself is, is miraculous. But we ask for the rhema word that comes alive on the inside of us. You said that we could ask and you would you would give. So we ask for wisdom. We ask for knowledge. We ask for insight and revelation. We ask for discernment to know you better, to know you more intimately. So illuminate our understanding as we read your word today. We ask it in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. That prayer was brought to you by Mary Gamboa of MaryGamboaMusic.com that you can check out her new album, Jealous. Or you can also stream it anywhere that you get your music from. And we also have Miss Shelby Gentry with us again this evening. Whoop, whoop. And so ton- tonight we're... Or, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God because that's what Jesus ta- is talking about in Mark chapter 4. And if you think back in Mark chapter 1, well, I, actually, I don't think Mark does say this, but in the other Gospels, it, John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming to be baptized, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he also says something like this. He says, The kingdom of God is near. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is near. In other words, it's right here. And then Jesus comes along and says, the kingdom of God, depending on what version you have, but he says something like, the kingdom of God is at hand. And the correct translation of that is that it's literally in your grasp. It's literally in your grasp. And so there's a debate that goes on with this idea of the kingdom of God is that some people believe the kingdom of God is coming in the future some people believe the kingdom of god is already here i don't know about you two but my standpoint is that the kingdom of god started it was because it talks about the church being god's eternal purpose Mm -hmm. jesus said he said uh, to his disciples that he had another fold that belonged to his kingdom Mm -hmm. and he was talking about the gentiles right well obviously in acts chapter 10 the gentiles were preached the gospel to, right. filled with the Spirit, like they were on the day of Pentecost. Peter had right. baptized Amen. Cornelius and his family and his friends. And in the, from that moment on, the Gentiles were added to the church order. And so I take the stance that the kingdom of God is already here. It's the church. If we're watching the blood of Christ, we're a part of the kingdom. But I also take the stance that the kingdom is not complete. And it won't be complete until Christ returns. Uh, in Luke chapter 17 verses 20 and 21 uh, 
the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. No, you can't really see it. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is already among you. In other words, it, it's right there in their face. So if it's in their face, it's already among them, then it had to it had to begin at some point right then and there. And that, that, that word means it's in your grasp. It's already among you. And so I wrote, which it may be controversial to some, but I wrote in my notes, when Jesus started forgiving sins, the kingdom of God started. Okay. Because isn't that what the kingdom is all about? Because we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. That to, to, to have a kingdom, you've got to have at least three things. Territory to rule over, a king, and people to rule over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this point, who belongs to the kingdom? The Jews? Because Jesus said, on the way, the truth, and the light, no man comes to the Father but by me. And, and <clears throat> if you think about it... he was preaching to the Jewish audience yeah, yeah. at that point. Yeah, and the religious leaders are saying, hey, look, what do you mean? We don't, we don't have no sin. We're not in bondage to any, anybody. We're, we're Abraham's seed. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, Jesus is like, no, I'm the only way to the Father. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the way to, the, to get into the kingdom. So, they remember they had the big beef um, with Jesus, the religious leaders did. You know, they... In the last chapter, we were just talking, discussing about blasphemy, about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and they were like, "Who, who, who's this guy think he is, saying that he can forgive sins? Or God, only God can forgive sins, right?" But Jesus had that authority. Jesus had that; that he could do that. Mm-hmm. He could forgive sins, and that's the only way we can be a part of the kingdom of God is is to be a part of Jesus. Therefore. That's why I say the kingdom of God started when he started forgiving sins. There's something about. Get it. Okay. But it won't be complete until he returns. It ends it all. But the bottom line is, in my opinion, you're either in the kingdom of God now or you're not in the kingdom of God. Or you're either washed in the blood of Christ and you're following Jesus, you're walking with Jesus. Or you're not. Right. Was that uh, was that pastor said this morning? Somebody said this morning. Maybe it was it Jesus, dudes. He's he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Mm. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And so in Mark chapter four, Jesus is going to speak in parables to get some lessons about the kingdom of God. Uh, the parable of the sower, parable of the lamp. The parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed. And so, like I said, we'll go to, um, well, no, not, I'm not that far down yet. So you think about Jesus, where did he come from? The elementary. Where did Jesus come from? He came from heaven, right? Right. I was like, wait, are we talking about he came Nazareth? Heaven to are we talking about Bethlehem? <laughs> are we talking about out of Egypt? Yeah, are we talking about... That's true. That's yeah. true. Isn't this the carpenter's son? <laughs> Isn't he from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? All right. Right? Okay, Nathaniel. 
Um, so if Jesus, he left, um, what was it, Philippians 2? It talks about him leaving heaven and coming down here to be one of us. So he knows what heaven's like. He knows what the kingdom of God's all about. We don't. Never been to heaven. Right. Yeah, so I can't describe it to you. Um, but Jesus came from there, so he knows all about the kingdom, right? His disciples, the Jews, the religious leaders, the, you know, the people that he's talking to at this, in, this, in Mark chapter 4, all they know is what they have from the Old Testament scriptures and the descriptions. They have stories from the past. Uh, some of these people that's written about in the Old Testament, like Isaiah, who got to see God's throne. You know, they, they, they got to see, like Moses gets to see the backside of God. Um, but even at that, the, these people were limited. And the, especially the disciples and the Jews and the religious leaders, they're, they're, they're limited. And so Jesus is going to take these parables and he's going to use things that the people are, that they use in everyday life, right? That's what he did with the parables. Right. And he's trying to get, he's trying to explain to them what the kingdom of God is like. Mm-hmm. And so he's able to do that because he came from there. He knows all about it. Right. You can't describe something that you've never been to. Right. I, I mean, I can tell you about pictures that I've seen of the Grand Canyon, but because I've never been there, I can't describe the the length and the width and the, the breadth of it or the depth of, you know, the enormity of that with any kind of authority because I've not been there. But I can tell you all about Cades Cove because mm-hmm. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've walked some of the trails. Mm-hmm. I've chased bear, I've chased deer. <laughs> <laughs> through Kate's Cove. I've took I've taken pictures firsthand, so I can tell you all about Kate's Cove. I've been there since I was five years old. So So these people have never been there. We've never been there. Um and so we're limited. And so Jesus is gonna take these parables and try to explain to these people and to us what the kingdom uh what the kingdom of God is like. Um but to have a kingdom you get you can add to this if you want to, but I, I said you got to have at least three things. I started out with two things, but I added a third. You got to have a territory to rule over. You got to have a king, and you got to have people. All right. Mm-hmm. And and we see this all through the Old Testament. Israel had all this. They had a territory, the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. Right. Joshua led them into the Promised Land. Their enemies. You know, they destroyed all their enemies, went in. They get the promised land, so they had a territory. They had many kings, some bad, some good, right? right? And they had people that they ruled over. But to have a kingdom, you got to have these three things. A territory, a king, people to rule over. And there's other things, but that's just three basic ones. Well, now, at, at this point in time... Israel has a territory. They have a boundary. They have a, a wall, if you will, um, a, fort, a fortified wall that surrounds the city or the village, whatever town. But they're, they're not in rule over their own territory. Mm-hmm. The Romans are. Right. They're oppressed by the Roman government. They hated the Romans. The Romans hated them, right? 
So they have these boundaries, but they're not in charge of what's inside those boundaries. Rome is. That's why they hate them, and that's why they're going to revolt against them, and and Rome destroys them pretty much destroys mm-hmm. the temple in eighty seventy. There's not a king uh, because, uh, well, I mean, you think about it. God's been silent for four hundred years. John the Baptist pops up, and he announces Jesus. You know, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus starts his ministry. But they've been looking for the Messiah for a long time, right? Right. And they're looking for this guy who's going to literally sit on the throne of David. Right. They're looking for a an observable kingdom, right, where the Messiah would be the the political leader. The and they're still looking to, for that. Right. The, the one that's going to come in and oust Rome in, um, in their occupation. But we know from Peter's sermon in Acts chapter two, when when they say, "Man, you know, man, brother, what we got to do to be saved?" Peter just preached that sermon on on the day of Pentecost, <laughs> on the day of Pentecost, and, and he's you know he says, you know, y'all killed Jesus, who is the Messiah, and God's raised him up, and he talks about in that sermon about him sitting on the throne of David, right, and so. Jesus is who they were looking for, but they didn't realize that Jesus was who they were looking for. Mm-hmm. They had misconceptions because they're looking for a man who's dressed in royalty, mm-hmm. who came from a very rich lineage, power, power, yeah. place of power, and they get a homeless man who doesn't even own a home, who travels around and teaches. And, and works miracles and he, he doesn't look like royalty because he's dressed like a normal dude mm-hmm. in everyday clothes and uh, they just they had these misconceptions we'll talk about in a minute but they just had all these misconceptions they couldn't get they, they were hung up on these misconceptions mm-hmm. um, if you, and uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000 which was more like 10 to 15,000 um when he fed those with the, the two fish and the five loaves of bread, remember they chased him around and they tried to make him a king. We are releasing the sound Cause the lost generation to be found All you Grinded Podcast listeners, I know you enjoy some good music, but I want to tell you about some awesome music. Now my friend, Mary Gamboa, she's also the worship leader at the church where I worship called Authentic Church here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We'd love to invite you to come out and check us out sometime when you get a chance. Start at 10 a.m. and we're on Lindsay Street here in Alcoa. Mary has produced a new album called Jealous and you can check that out anywhere music is being streamed. But you can also check it out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G A M B O A music.com. Go check that out. So Israel's territory is occupied by Romans, right? Um, they have boundaries, but they're, they're not in charge of what's inside those boundaries because Rome is. Um, there's not a king. Um, but because they're looking for a man who is the Messiah, who will rise up and he will, they're thinking that he's literally going to sit on a physical throne and be from the lineage of David because of all the, the over the 300 prophecies about the Messiah. And that's 
who they're looking for, and they they you know they have these misconceptions of the Messiah, and what they get instead is a, you know a homeless guy who didn't even own a home, mm-hmm. much less being from royalty. He he looked like an ordinary dude, and uh, and we'll talk more about this in a minute. But they they just had misconceptions of who the you know they had they had formulated in their minds literally from these prophecies who the Messiah is going to be, and Jesus didn't fit that description, mm-hmm. and therefore they they didn't like him. Um, even though you know they they. When he fed the five thousand, he tried to. They tried to make him king, chasing him around from place to place. And when Jesus told him, you know, you got to drink my blood and eat my flesh, and they're like, "Ew, mm-hmm. that's gross." John six sixty six is one of the saddest verses in the Bible because that's the verse that talks about that they all left him. Mm-hmm. They turned and went home. But Jesus says that, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. In John 18, uh, 33 through 38, this is during his trial. Pilate went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Uh, and Jesus says, is that, is that your own idea? And, and, um, or did others talk to you about me? And he, Pilate says, am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests hand you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm. If it were, my servants would have fight, would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? resorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. So, um, Jesus' kingdom or his territory, being as he is king, it, can, it cannot be seen physically, mm-hmm. right? It, it can only uh, be seen by faith. And that's what um, Jesus was saying. Where was that at? Jesus replied to the Pharisees, when they, he said, they asked when would the kingdom of God come, and he said the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can be seen only, only by faith. And then the kingdom, uh, to, to, have, to have a kingdom, you've got to have territory, you've got to have a king, and you've got to have people. And, and I went to, uh, before we got started, I went to gotquestions.org to see what it said about Jesus being referred to as the king of the Jews. And it says that he was referred to as king of the Jews twice in scriptures. Um, once by the Magi or the, the wise men in Matthew two two, when they came to you know to visit mm-hmm. the toddler Jesus, not the baby Jesus, but the toddler Jesus, and they said, "Where is the you know this this one is born king of the Jews?" Which freaked out Herod, right, mm-hmm. and sparked him to call to kill all the, the male children two years old and younger. Um, and then the one we just shared from um, uh, the trial of Jesus. And so Jesus is referred to as the king of the Jews. And the people that really got mad, you know, Pilate's sign. Right. They, they said, change that sign. Pilate's like, I've written what I've written. You know. Um, in Revelation nineteen sixteen, it says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So a lot of people say that Jesus has a tattoo. Mm-hmm. But he is referred to as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so 
these misconceptions that, that the religious leaders had and a lot of the Jews had about Jesus and his kingdom, uh, it, it, it had a grip on them. They, they could not literally, even though Jesus was, had this teaching with authority, he's got crowds of people everywhere he goes, they see all these miracles that he does. You know, dead people are coming to life, which is crazy. You know, withered hands are, are straightened restored, up. Yeah. yeah. The mute are speaking, the deaf can hear. Lepers being healed. Lepers yeah. being healed. All, all these healings, miracles, demons being cast out, and yet they still can't see it. Mm-hmm. Well, like in the last chapter, they're, they're, the religious leaders are saying he's doing this by the power of Beelzebub or Satan. They couldn't get past the misconceptions. And so a lot of people have the same issue today. They, they, have, you know, they ask a question, well, you know, if God is real, if God exists, then why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why are all these bad things going on? Why does evil exist? Why, 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 why? And so they have, they have these misconceptions and they can't get past those things. And so they choose not to uh, believe. And they don't want to be a part of the kingdom. And then the the, the other thing about having a kingdom is you got to have people to rule over. And of course, I just said that anybody that's washed in the blood of Jesus is a part of the kingdom, mm-hmm. either Jew or Gentile. And then that's when Jesus starts getting into the the parables. And the first parable that to explain the kingdom of God is the parable of the sower in verses three through nine. You want to read that? Sure. Do you want me to start at the beginning? Yeah, verse 3. Okay. Mark 4, 3. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Isn't that weird that he would say something like that? Because... I mean, there's always some exceptions, but for the most part, everybody has ears. And most people can hear. There are people who are deaf or there are people who are hard of hearing. Um, But for the most part, we all have ears. So what does Jesus mean? If if you have ears, let them hear and understand. There's some things that we hear beyond the natural. There's some things that we have to understand and hear with our spirit man. And and he was not just talking about the natural things. Like like you, you said, he's using natural situations, phenomena, parables to teach people in language that they can comprehend, understand. But he's also saying there's so much more to it than just this natural Listen with your spirit. Yeah, and that's the problem that the Pharisees had. And and, and that's why he's teaching in parables, because he, he was basically challenging them. 
because they couldn't understand it. The, the disciples couldn't even understand it. I mean, they were literally listening to Jesus tell these stories and nobody understood it. They didn't understand what it means. So the disciples gave him a loan and they basically said, dude, what's up with this? Why are you teaching in parables and what does this stuff mean? We, we, don't, we don't get it. And so he, he, he gives them the answer to this, uh, this parable. And he says in verse 11 through 20, he says, you're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. So that's what these parables are about here mm-hmm. in this chapter. But I use parables for everything I say to the outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which is fulfilling a prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. And when they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. And Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how are you going to understand the other parables? And then he gives the explanation of the parable. The farmer plants a seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. And the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. If you ever you know, walk through rocks or something, you see a little sprout coming up, you can just pull it right up. Right. Most, most of the time, they don't have deep roots. It doesn't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Uh, the seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of the wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. So he breaks down that parable for us. There's no guessing what he, what he means. The, the, the seed is the word of God. It's planted. It's thrown out there. The farmer, you know, was just chunking seed. Mm-hmm. And so the bottom line is we're, we're supposed to be producing fruit. But to produce fruit, we got to throw out the seed. Right. And God's word will take care of itself. Which we're going to see that one in another parable. The parable mm-hmm. of the growing seed here in a minute. It will be in the next podcast. Then we got the parable of the lamp. In verses 21 through 25, you can read that. Okay. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. Mm-hmm. So in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? Mm-hmm. His light's going to shine on the evil deeds of men. He's, he's going to expose sin, in, including the religious leaders, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, well, he really exposes them because you know, they're thinking something in their mind, yet he calls them out in public for what they're thinking, right? So... Um, nothing is hidden when it comes to God. He knows. He literally knows everything. And David talks about that in Psalm one thirty nine. Mm-hmm. He says, "I can't get. It, I can't go anywhere. Get away where, from your presence." Where can I go? Right. Yeah. And he says, "Before I even think of a thought, you already know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Before whatever enters my mouth and comes out." So I mean, God knows everything about us. He knows everything we're doing. He knows what we're thinking, and there's no getting away from it. Right. Which can be pretty intimidating. Um, and you, you just read uh, verses twenty-four 
uh, and 25 as well. Because um, he says, pay close attention to what you hear. And the closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. So he's saying, what I'm saying can be understood. Right? Because how many people, how many times do you hear people say, I just don't read the Bible because it's too hard to understand? Yeah. Well, first of all, pray. Pray for understanding. How about that? But then, you know, get a Ask version you can read wisdom. and understand. Right. Ask yeah. for some wisdom. Yeah. Right. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And so I like what you know uh, James says in, in his letter. He says, "Be quick to listen, mm-hmm. you know, slow to speak." It reminds me of the scripture in the first part of Revelation, where it says, "You know, to him that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." churches. Right when he's talking to the the church at what Pergamum and Thyatira and Laodicea, all of these different churches, he's saying to him who has an ear spiritually, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's so much more than just our physical capability to capture sound. Yeah. Well, like we said in the last podcast, this all this stuff's a new concept for these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was talking about the Holy Spirit in the last chapter. And they, they, when we talked about how they didn't really... I mean, they might know a little bit about the Holy Spirit, but they, they didn't really know who the Holy Spirit was. They're like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? And then now, now here he is talking about a kingdom of God, and they're like, you're a homeless dude. Mm-hmm. The, you know, we're looking for the Messiah. You know, and you're you're a you're biz. You you did this stuff by the you know Satan, the power of Satan. Mm-hmm. So their 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 whole focus is just off. They, they just don't get it. And Jesus says, if you listen close to my teachings, you're going to understand it. And the more you understand, the more it's going to be given. In other words, you know, he's going to draw close. He wants us to draw close to him. He's going to draw near to us. But if we're not listening, which a lot of people aren't, you know, he's not going to waste his time. Mm-hmm. And so the, the question we're going to end with in this podcast is, who did Jesus spend most of his time with? Who did Jesus spend most of his time with? I just simply put, those who were hungry and thirsty. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter how much money they had in the bank, what where they were at on the social status? This is, I mean, because you know he he hung out with the poor, he hung out with the rich, he hung out with religious leaders. They came to him by night. Nicodemus, mm-hmm. uh, Zacchaeus. He, I mean, he ate at their homes. Right. But it was that he hung out with people who wanted to understand. Yeah. To listen, to understand. So the question is: Are we listening? Are we trying to gain understanding? Mm-hmm. Or are we trying to draw close to God? Lord, give us ears to hear. Because it's basically saying that he wants a relationship with us. He's not some God who's way off. He's not the big man upstairs. Mm-hmm. He's he's God who lives within our hearts if we, you know, accept him yeah. and we're walking with him. And we have a relation. He want, Like we said a few podcasts ago, he wants to be intimate right. with us. He wants that kind of relationship. So... All right, we'll pick up and, and uh, finish Mark chapter 4 in the next podcast, and we'll finish these last two parables.
and talk about some cool thing that Jesus did with his disciples. Yeah. Do you want to pray? Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit says. Help us to hear beyond the natural. Help us to see beyond the natural and far beyond our natural understanding. We ask for wisdom and revelation. We want to know you more. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Keep running. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.